Take your copy of God's Word and open it with me to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 2. We'll begin in a moment uh, in verse 7 for context. We're going to be studying verses 8 through 20. If you don't have a Bible, the words will also appear on the screen. Two weeks ago, I talked to you about celebrating Christmas and why we should celebrate it. Last week, we talked about preparing for Christmas and specifically what God did to prepare the world for the Savior's birth. Today, I want to talk to you about announcing Christmas, and I want you to think for just a moment about some of the most significant announcements that have ever been made. For example, on April the 16th, 1912, there was this headline that appeared on the cover of newspapers all over the world. It simply said, Titanic sinks. That was certainly a huge announcement. And then on July 21st, 1969, There were these three words, man on moon, because it was the day before that Neil Armstrong walked on the moon for the very first time. That was also a huge announcement. On August the 17th, 1977, the headline was simply, Elvis dead. We remember, many of us, the day after 9-11, this headline on the cover of Uh, uh, that said, War on America. We know that on August 15th, 1945, the day after Japan surrendered, ending World War II, this headline appeared all over the world. Just one word, peace. All of these were big announcements. Well, 2,000 years ago, something happened that was even bigger and more significant than all of these events. The Son of God was born in Bethlehem, but when Jesus was born, there there were no headlines for men to read. In fact, most people initially did not even notice the first announcement of Jesus' birth was made to simple shepherds who were watching their flock at night. Now, we're going to read about that announcement this morning. For context, let's look at the verse before in John chapter 2, or Luke chapter 2, verse 7. And she, meaning Mary, brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Jesus has just been born, and this morning I want to talk to you about what happens next, what happened immediately thereafter. And what happened was this first announcement, this announcement of Jesus' birth. And there are three things about this announcement that I want you to notice Three things about this announcement that makes it the biggest, the greatest, the most significant announcement of all time. First of all, we see the good news it brings. We see the good news that this announcement brings. Look at verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields 
keeping watch over their flock by night. In other words, they were faithful. Verse 9, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Part of what makes this news so good is to whom it was given. Notice this announcement was given to shepherds. And if you did not know, in the first century, shepherds were outcast. They were uneducated. Their work made them ceremonially unclean. And because they spent all of their time with their flocks, they couldn't get away long enough to get ceremonially clean. As a result, shepherds were looked down upon. I remember when I was in Senegal a few weeks ago, I saw a lot of shepherds. Shepherding is still a very big part of their economy. And I got to tell you, the shepherds I saw there didn't look like the other Senegalese You could look at them and tell very quickly they spent all of their time in the elements working with animals, and as a result, their clothes were filthy, and their hair was unkempt, and their beards were untrimmed. They looked rough. They looked dirty. I imagine that just comes with the profession. And notice, it was to shepherds. Not to the king, not to priests, not to the elite, not to the religious leaders. It was to shepherds that this announcement was made. It came first to them because Jesus came for outcasts. He came for the meek and the lowly. He came for those who recognize their own brokenness and their sinfulness. Sinfulness, those who see just how needy they are. In verse 9, this angel appeared. The Bible says these shepherds were greatly afraid. You would be too. But isn't it interesting? The very first thing this angel said was, Do not be afraid. Fear not. You may know that that command, fear not, happens to be the command that appears the most frequently of all of the commands that are given in the Bible. And this command, fear not, is especially prevalent in the Christmas story. When Gabriel appeared to Zechariah, he began by saying, fear not. When Gabriel told Mary that she would be with child, he began by saying, fear not. When the angel told Joseph to take Mary as his wife, In a dream, he wasn't even awake. But in his dream, the first thing the angel said to him was, Joseph, fear not. And here again, we see the very first words to these shepherds, fear not. And we're reminded again and again in the Christmas story that part of what makes this such good news is the fact that we don't have to live in fear anymore. Because of the birth of this child and because of what his birth 
means and because of what this child accomplished. We don't have to fear anyone or anything but God. The message of the manger still today is fear not. Fear not, the angel said, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Now think about that statement. The angel said, I have news, but it's not just news. It's good news. And this good news is going to bring you joy, but not just joy. It's going to bring you great joy. And this good news that will bring great joy is not just for some people, it's for all people. In fact, the Greek literally says, great joy for everyone will be for all people. He's being intentionally redundant. It's emphasizing the fact that this good news really is for every single man, woman, boy, and girl. And what the angel said to these shepherds, we can say to the world, this good news is for you, no matter who you are, no matter what you have done, this good news really is for you. You know, we've got so much bad news in the world. It seems like, especially lately, there's so much bad news We desperately need some good news. And so here it is in verse 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What a loaded verse filled with so much truth. Notice this day He is born after thousands of years of waiting. You don't have to wait anymore. Today, the angel said, where is he? In the city of David, in Bethlehem. The angel called it the city of David to emphasize that Jesus is the son of David, just as 2 Samuel 7 said that the Messiah would be. Notice that this baby born today in the city of David is given three titles. We are told three things that were true about Jesus even in the moment of his birth. First of all, he is called Savior. He came to save. And we remember what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 43, 11. I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me there is no. Savior. God said, I am the Savior and no one else. And yet this baby born in a manger is called the Savior because he is the Son of God sent into the world to save us. Most scholars believe that because of the proximity of these shepherds to Jerusalem, that more than likely the sheep that they were watching at night were to be used in the temple sacrifices. And it is as if God is saying to them, the true Lamb of God, the one who will truly save you from your sins, that Lamb is not in your flock, that Lamb is in a manger in Bethlehem. He's also called Christ, which means the Messiah, the promised one, the one in whom all the promises 
of God are fulfilled. He is called the Lord, kurios. 9,000 times in the Old Testament, that term was used, and 6,000 times pointing directly to God himself. And so notice in verse 11, there's this little article. Notice that this baby, the angel says, is the Lord, not just a Lord. He is the Lord. That means he is God in human flesh. That means he has authority. That means we should worship him and follow him. Now, there could have been numerous newborn babies in Bethlehem. It's not likely, but it's certainly possible. How exactly will these shepherds know which newborn baby boy in Bethlehem is the Savior, the Christ, and the Lord? Look at verse 12. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. I wonder if perhaps we have read this story so many times, if we've heard it so many times, if we've seen so many Christmas movies that we have perhaps forgotten the craziness of what is happening here, the fact that the Savior, the Christ, the Lord, was born and would be found not in a mansion but in a barn, surrounded not by servants but by cattle, that he would be found not in a crib, but in a manger, not wearing silk, but ordinary rags. This is exactly what Paul described in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, when he said, Jesus, though he was rich, for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Everything Jesus endured and everything he experienced, starting with his birth, was so that we might, through him, one day enjoy the opposite. He was born in a manger so that we could be born again. Look at verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. All of a sudden, these shepherds were spectators to the greatest concert of all time. A multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. By the way, this is how the world should have responded to the announcement of Jesus' birth. But how many angels were in a multitude? I don't know, but I have a feeling it was a lot. And these angels begin to sing. It doesn't say that they were singing, but verse 14 is in the form of a song And they weren't singing for the shepherds. They were singing for the newborn king. Glory to God in the highest. Think about that statement. Glory to God in the highest not only means in the highest place or glory to God in heaven. When we look at creation, we see the glory of God. When we 
See stars, they are glorious, and mountains, they are glorious, but the highest glory, the greatest expression of glory is not found in creation, but in this baby lying in a manger. Jesus will reveal the glory of God in a way that no one and no one else ever can. He will reveal the depth of God's love for us and the depth of God's holiness and his mercy and his wisdom and power. And thus they sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. The angels sang the coming of the birth of Jesus means that there can be and there will be peace on earth. Now I'm going to talk more about this peace on earth in our service tonight. But finally, the angel said, goodwill toward men. That word for goodwill, it comes from the verb meaning to take delight in. And here's how we know that God, though he be angry at sin, takes delight in sinners and saving sinners This is how we know that he loves us and he wants to save us and he wants to spend eternity with us. This is what the birth of Jesus means, that God sent the Savior who is Christ and who is Lord. He sent him for everyone and in him we see God's glory and in him we experience peace And in him, we enter into a relationship with God. You put all of that together, it's no wonder, the angel said, this is good news that brings great joy to all people. So we see the good news that it brings. We also see the response it requires. Look at verse 15. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. As quickly as these angels appeared, it seems like they quickly disappeared. And these shepherds who have just heard the greatest news of all time, suddenly they've got to decide what they're going to do and how they're going to respond to this message. And they said, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this baby for ourselves. But I want you to notice what they had to do first. Verse 16 says, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. They came with haste. They didn't waste any time because they understood that if this message was true if indeed the Savior, the Christ, the Lord had just been born in Bethlehem. That meant that the most important thing in all of life was to find him so that they might worship him. Well, guess what? That's true for you and for me as well. If this message is true, then that means that to seek Christ and to worship him is the highest priority of our lives. The Bible says they came with haste and they found 
Joseph, Mary, and the baby lying in a manger. The fact that they found him implies that they actually had to search for him. You see, the angel did not give to them an address. They did not have GPS. The angel did not say, go straight down Main Street and then take the third right and the barn will be the second barn on the left. No, the Bible says they had to go throughout Bethlehem looking. Can you imagine how silly these shepherds must have appeared tiptoeing around town, peeking inside of every barn to see if a baby was inside in the last place in the world where you would expect to find him? They had to look. They had to search. And the Bible says they found him. Now, these shepherds show us how all of us ought to respond to the announcement of Jesus' birth. They had hearts that were open to hear what God said. Then they believed by faith the message after they heard it. They were willing to seek him, to search for him. They obeyed what God told them to do as soon as he told them to do it. And then after they found him, they went out and told others. This is how we all ought to respond. But unfortunately, not everyone responded the same way they did. Skip ahead to verse 18. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. It didn't take long for the word to begin to spread. The people heard From the shepherds, they heard their report. They heard about the angels. They heard about the identity of this baby who was born in a manger. And the Bible says that they marveled. They were amazed. But hear me very carefully. They were amazed, but they were idle. They marveled upon hearing the news, but they did not go looking for this child. They did not go to the manger. They did not worship the newborn king. Ladies and gentlemen, don't let your response this Christmas be like that this morning. Don't just say, isn't this a nice story? Without allowing it to have any impact on your life whatsoever. Because if you're not careful, you can be like Herod and miss it. And you can be like the religious leaders and miss it. Or you can be wealthy, you can be prominent, and you can miss it. It is not enough to just marvel at Jesus' birth. There must be a response. And so the question becomes, how will you respond this morning? Will you respond like these shepherds? Or will you respond like the many others in Bethlehem who heard the news of Jesus' birth but did nothing about it and quickly went back to their lives as if nothing had happened? What will your response be? 
This really is the greatest announcement in history because of the good news it brings, because of the response it requires, but also we see in this announcement the part we play or the role we play. I want you to go back to verse 17. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. It's interesting. I told you earlier that shepherds were outcasts, that they were looked down upon. In the first century, shepherds were not even allowed to give testimony in a court of law. And so what does God do? God takes these shepherds and he uses them as his witnesses to fill Bethlehem with the news of Jesus's birth. Notice it says that they made it widely known. These men were probably the least qualified of men, but they became the very first evangelist in the New Testament. They did whatever they could do to make sure that everyone knew what had been made known to them. Now, these shepherds, they didn't know much theology, but they knew what they had seen. They knew what they had heard. They knew what they had experienced, and they knew that they could repeat it to others. And by the way, if those shepherds could do it, you can too. Look at verse 20. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Now, there's an interesting connection between what happens at the beginning of the story and what happens at the end of the story. At the beginning of the story, the angels praise God, saying glory to God in the highest. At the end of the story, the Bible says the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God. Do you see what is happening here? At the beginning of the story, the angels announced Jesus' birth because there was no one else to do it. But by the end of the story, these shepherds have taken over that responsibility. Now they are doing it. They're the ones announcing it to others, and they are the ones who are praising and glorifying God. Because it turns out when a person has a personal encounter with Jesus, they must share it. And it turns out when the news is this good, you just cannot keep it to yourself. I'm reminded of a, an old book that was written back in 1868. This book was called The Luck of Roaring Camp. Now, this was a fictitious story about a made-up town in California called Roaring Camp. And in this story, this town was full of gold miners. In fact, in this story, everyone who lived in Roaring Camp was a man, except for one woman, a Cherokee Indian, but she got pregnant and died 
while giving birth to a son. And this whole story, the luck of Roaring Camp, is about what these rough and tough men will do and how these gold miners are going to take care of a newborn baby because these guys didn't know anything about taking care of a baby. And so at the beginning, they took that baby and they put him in a filthy box and wrapped him up in filthy rags, but that just didn't seem right. And so they ordered a beautiful rosewood uh, crib and satin sheets and a soft pillow. But then they had to find a place for that crib, and they placed it in the cleanest room that they could find. But even that place was just filthy. And so these men got on their hands and knees, and they scrubbed, and they scrubbed, and they scrubbed the floors and the walls until finally that room was clean. Then afterwards, somebody made some suggestions. Somebody said, you know, maybe guys... If we're going to be caring for a newborn baby, maybe we ought to start using soap. Maybe if we're going to start caring for a baby, maybe we ought to start, I don't know, washing our hands. Maybe we should actually bathe every now and then. And so they started to do that. They started to wash their bodies and they started to wash their clothes. And then somebody else said, guys, listen, if we're going to be taking care of a baby Maybe we shouldn't be gambling all the time. Maybe we shouldn't be fighting all the time. Maybe we shouldn't be drinking and smoking all the time. And as the story goes along, by the end of the story, the entire city was transformed and all of the people were changed because of the birth of a single baby boy. 2,000 years ago, a baby was born. His name is Jesus. He was born and he grew. He lived the sinless life we should have lived. And then he went to the cross and he died the death that we deserved to die. He was buried and on the third day, he rose again. And now, Just like these shepherds in Luke chapter 2, we now have a role to play. Now it's our job to tell the world that the birth of this baby changes everything. And if you will believe in him, and if you will receive him as Savior and Lord of your life, he'll not only save you and he will not only forgive you, but he will transform your life from the inside out and everything, everything is different. This announcement of Jesus' birth really is the greatest announcement of all time because of the good news that it brings, because of the response that it requires, because of the role we get to play. And so let me just ask you, What will you do with that good news? And how will you respond to the announcement of his birth? And what role will you play to make sure that everyone has heard it? Would you join me as we pray? Our God, we thank you 
for this announcement, this greatest announcement of all time, that the word became flesh and you invaded this earth, sending your only begotten son in the person of Jesus. And we thank you for everything that his birth means. And indeed, we see that his birth does change everything. Because his birth now means that we can know you, that we can know you personally, that we can be forgiven, that we can be saved, and we don't have to live in fear anymore. And we can have not just joy, but we can have great joy every day of our lives, no matter what we are going through, no matter what trials we may be experiencing even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We thank you that you make all of this possible through the birth of this baby Jesus 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem's manger. God, we don't want to respond this morning like the majority of people in Bethlehem who heard the story, who heard the news from these shepherds, and they marveled, but they didn't do anything about it. They were amazed, but it didn't impact their lives. God, help us today, every one of us, that we would respond exactly as these shepherds did with hearts that are willing to hear what you are saying to us, believing by faith what you tell us, following Jesus, obeying what you have told us, and then taking this good news that we've received and telling the world. Help us to follow their example. Help us to respond in that way. We pray that you would show every one of us here today exactly how you want us to respond to your word. And we'll give you all the thanks, all the praise, and all of the glory in the name of Jesus. Now, as we continue praying for just a moment, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I asked you that question earlier, and I'm going to ask it again. What will your response be? Will you respond to this announcement like these shepherds did? Or will you respond like all of the others in Bethlehem? Will you respond by being willing to hear and receive and believe this good news? Will you respond by seeking him and following him and worshiping him? Will you respond that way? Or will you respond like those who marveled and they were amazed and they said it's a nice story, but then they did nothing about it? You will respond ultimately in one of these two ways. And let me tell you, there is no in between. So how will you respond to this announcement of Jesus' birth Maybe this morning you know that you need to respond by following the example of those shepherds and saying, I hear, I believe, and I will seek him and follow him and worship him and receive him as Savior, as Christ, as Lord of my life today. Has there been that time? Has there been that moment when you took that step? Birth happens at a moment in time. Jesus was born 
at a moment in time. And that same Jesus said, you must be born again. Has there been that moment in time when you were born again? You can be. The Bible says if you'll just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That can be you this morning. That can be you right now. Anybody here that would say, I'm ready. I need to take that step. Just like those shepherds, I want to follow Jesus. I want to receive him as Savior, Christ, and Lord of my life today. If so, would you just pray this prayer and say, oh God, I'm guilty. I'm a sinner. I've broken your law. I've done so many things I know I shouldn't have done. But thank you, oh God, for loving me anyway and sending Jesus. I believe that he is everything your word says he is, that he's the Savior, that he's Christ, that he's Lord. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. And therefore, I receive him. I will follow him. From this day forward, my life belongs to you. Forgive me, O oh God. Save me of my sin. And I pray this in Jesus' name. I wonder if there's anybody that would say, Pastor, that is exactly my prayer this morning. For the very first time, I can say, I'm giving my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. And as of this day forward, I will follow him. Anybody who would be so bold just by raising a hand and saying, yes, that's me. As of this day, I'm taking that step. And I, like those shepherds, I will follow Jesus. Anybody would say, that's the step I'm taking this morning? If so, raise your hand. I want to see so I can celebrate with you. If you're watching online, want to hear from you as well, would you please respond by texting us that number that you see uh, not that number, the other number we shared with you earlier, uh, 305-247-7729. If you send a text to that number, uh, we will get that and we will respond. And you fill out that card, that connection card, and please let us know exactly, how, there it is, exactly that step of faith that you are taking today. Or if you just want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, maybe you're here and you're new and this is all uh, uh, new to you, and you're checking all of this out, but you want to know more, then we want to walk with you along this spiritual journey that you're on. So please reach out to us. You can also uh, indicate that by checking that uh, connection card for those of you in the room that is attached to the bulletin, and just mark that and then give it to me or put it in the offering boxes after the service is over, and uh, we would love to just minister to you in any way that we can.